This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. of Christmas. And last week he dove into the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. The prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah prophesied different names of Jesus that were given to him by God. And so the thought process for this series over the next now, uh, the next two weeks after today is looking at each one of those different names and identifying those, at least four of those. There's tons. If you walk through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you can find Jesus and you can identify Jesus in every moment. But the idea is that we're going to walk through and we're going to look through a couple different identities that God gave His Son. As I was preparing last week, to deliver that message. I don't really, our live stream's given us all kind of fits. I have not honestly listened to it, but I know where direction he went, and I've heard awesome reports. But on Friday, God led me to Psalm 139, which I believe he alluded to um, last week a little bit. And I didn't understand really why that passage was coming to me the way that it was until Saturday. And then it all made sense. And so today I want us to look, I'm going to read, first of all, I'm going to read out of Isaiah. I'm reading out of chapter 9. We'll start in verse 1. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he's made the glorious way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galileans of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod for his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This is really where our conversation picks up in verse 6. It says, for unto us. A child is born, for to us a son is given. That statement in itself is very powerful because God just identified Jesus as a human being coming in flesh, for to us a child is born. But then in the same sentence, he identified him as deity in his son. A son is given. So we have... The, the clarity, the unity right there in the beginning, that statement is so powerful. But it says, The government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I want you to pay attention to this statement. It says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Verse 7, I particularly like the way the English Standard Version reads that. It's a lot closer to the original because it didn't just say the government will increase and peace will increase. It says those will continue. There will be no end of increase. Do you realize that the government and the peace of God never ceases growing. That means that his peace that he has today is less than the peace that will be existent tomorrow. 
You with me? And in a time personally in my life, when I'm seeking peace, the idea of knowing that the government and the peace of God doesn't stop increasing is an encouragement of hope. Amen? Wonderful counselor. Last week was Emmanuel, God with us. But what does it mean to be a wonderful counselor? If you would please flip to Psalm 139. I'm telling you it's going to be sporadic. My thoughts are scattered. I have no problem telling you that. Psalm 139 verse 1 says, "O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit up, you know when I rise up, or sit down, you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar." You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Listen, this is Emmanuel. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven... You're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave or hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and at your right hand shall hold me. This is what's spoken to me so, so, so strong. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light about me be dark, the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is light with you. Do you hear that David is admitting his faults and failures? If I make my bed in heaven, if I choose to make my bed in heaven, or if I choose to make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I sit down or if I rise up, you're there. And in that verse of Scripture, if you've ever walked in a dark moment of life, if you have chosen, that's what I hear, verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. God didn't put me in the place. He didn't allow me to get there. The enemy didn't throw heaps of dirt on top of me and bury me in a grave. If I say, surely darkness is going to cover me. If I put myself in a pit, if I put myself in the midst of darkness, and I determine that the light about me is going to be dark, it's going to be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Because the night is as bright as day for darkness is as light with you. There is no question whatsoever this message comes from a place of hurt. This message comes from a place that's determined to not be silent so that another good man or woman of God falls And believes that they're not surrounded by the presence and that there's not a way out of the pit. He's there. You figured that out last week. Everywhere we are, we can't escape the spirit. We can't escape the presence. Church terminology really isn't good. And I've really tried my best to do better about the way that I communicate it. God's presence and his spirit was here long before we ever showed up. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to ask him. We don't have to say, God, come meet with us today. He's here. You with me? We've really messed up some of the language. We've really messed up some of the way we communicate that and really portrayed something that's not true because He is here. There's no way that I can escape His Spirit. There's no way that I can escape His presence. He's here. But what does it accomplish if I don't acknowledge that He's here? He's the wonderful counselor. Wonderful in Hebrew is Pele. 
And it was a word used when no other words could describe an instance. When, when we couldn't put our minds around and wrap our heads around putting adjectives before something to describe it, it was Pele. It was the utmost adjective to describe this miraculous, marvelous situation. And, and here, God has said through the prophet Isaiah, he shall be called wonderful. Wonderful what? Wonderful counselor. The counselor is the one that gives instruction from a place of authority. I've called some brothers, and I've reached out to some people in times when I've struggled, and I really just wanted them to give me a good pat on the back and say, boy, son, you'll get over it. You'll keep, the, keep fighting, buddy. They're the ones that are in the wrong. They shouldn't be talking that way. I'm looking for a pat on the back, right? You ever call somebody looking at You ever reach out to a brother looking at That's not what the wonderful counselor is. He's not looking to give me a pat on the back and make me feel better because of the struggle I'm going through. If he's following me to the depths of hell, to the depths of the grave, there's a reason that he's there. He's there to bring me out. Right? He's there to bring me to a new place. Even in the place that I put myself. The question arose this week. What was the beginning of the end, if you will? I'm telling you, family. <laughs> I'm talking about a man of God that I honored and respected. I wanted to be like him. He would stand and say what nobody else would stand and say. Hundreds and hundreds. There's a processional that we followed with police car blue lights and red lights and people and people and people and people that showed up that he's touched their lives. I just found out last night there's more. It just blows my mind. The people that were influenced and touched. But You know what he said the beginning of the end was out of his mouth? He said, I stopped praying. I stopped praying. And that's easy for us to shake our head at. And that's easy for us to say, well, that was a dumb move, and I know you don't do that. The devil is a liar. And he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's the way this story plays out, and I'll one day will tell you my full story. But I understand and it's real to me because I've lived it. I get a phone call Saturday and it really didn't take me by surprise. Because in my personal life, I know how loud the accuser is in the ear. And I know how fast we fall down a slippery slope Choosing to put ourselves in darkness. I make my decisions. I put myself in the place that I'm at. But that psalmist said, even when I choose to put myself in darkness, when I choose to let the light be dark and the light be night, even there you are. a wonderful counselor I'm going to be very very transparent with you Thursday I was sinfully angry at the church I had to repent because I was sinfully angry at the church because we've created a place Where we want broken people to walk through the door. We want people to show up so they can be transformed. But the moment that a man or woman of God admits a fault or a failure, they're damned to hell. I might never preach another sermon, but I'm going to preach this one. 
And that is not right. He's a wonderful counselor. Depression is real. It is as real and as deadly as cancer. If you think back over your life, I'll talk about me. You put yourself in your place. I ain't even got to talk about my brother. If you think back at one of your places, maybe where you stopped praying, it was just a minute slippage of sin in your life. It isn't that one day the devil like just smacks you off your horse and you're done. If so, you'd have known it. You'd have got back on the horse. You'd have put him in his place. You'd have walked on. That's not what it is. It's a misstep. It's a mishap, and it's like, man, that didn't feel good. Let me keep rolling. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, actually, it was kind of nice. And before we realize what's taking place is there's a gap between where we were walking in union with God and where we are now. God still has not left this place. I don't care how low and how dark and how deep the pit is. God is still there. And if God's not left that man or woman, how in the world, who are we to leave them? Who are we? I'm not calling him my cousin. He's my brother. Situations created. He feels safe. He confesses. He reaches out. And a wall is built. The purpose of this is not to please hear my heart. I ain't putting nobody down. I was very angry and I was very bitter and I had to repent. That's not what this is. This is about how what is what how do we move forward? What does the roadmap look like? I can't make a big huge difference, but the difference I can make is going to be made. He's a wonderful counselor. What does that mean? It means that no matter how far I go, no matter how many lies have been told, no matter how deep the pit, can I just paint a picture for you? Can I tell you what happened in my life? In that pit, when light was revealed, the pit was nothing but a little hole in the ground. Can we be honest? I chose to put myself in the hole. I chose. That's why that psalm, psalm is so real for me. I put myself in darkness. And then the devil like slapped a lid on it and sealed it tight so there was no light. Do you realize that in pure darkness you don't have a clue where you are? You don't know how deep you are. You have no clue where you are. When the lid is removed and truth shines in it's like man I could have stood up the whole time right there's this cycle that takes place that I'm determined to break scripture tells us that sin gives root to death right What if the roots could be cut so that sin did not have to end in death? Do you realize that Jesus' life and death and resurrection were the blades to cut the roots to sin? The cycle goes like this. If you're perfect and you've got it all together, praise Jesus for you. We slip down the ledge just a little bit. 
And before long, we're ashamed to pray. And before long, we've fallen off the ledge. And the struggle is we won't talk about it because we're supposed to be perfect. And Right? You with me? I'm just telling you the truth. Because we've created an environment that says you've got to be perfect. I've never, ever read anything in Scripture that said Jesus came to save the perfect. And I've never seen I'm reading you a psalm of David, a man that had an affair with somebody's wife and then had the husband killed to cover it up. Yet I still stand and preach that man's words today. Who in the world ever said we've got to have it together? We've created a major gap between reality and this facade. And now that we've created the gap, it gives the enemy that's wanting nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy our life, our ministry, our character, everything about us, this louder bark in our ear. And so before long, we're at this place. Mental illness is very real. Depression is very real. There's zero questions in my mind about that. I will go to the end of that. But I do believe, whether it was my personal sin or whether it was the fall of Adam, it is a result of sin. Sickness is a result of sin. You with me? Doesn't have to be mine. Maybe it wasn't that I did something horrible and I got a cold because I said something. I'm not talking about that. We live in a sin-cursed world because of the fall of man. Therefore, if we root it all the way back, please hear my heart. It is very, very, very real. We need help. But we root it back to sin. It's a light and a dark issue. And I don't care who you are, and I don't care what the sin is, I don't care what the temptation is, what the struggle is. That's not really what it's about. That's just a tool that the enemy's using. That's just the weapon of destruction. And his word tells me that no weapon that's formed against me can prosper. But in order for that to be truth over my life, I've got to recognize even in the deep, dark pit, he's still there and he wants to be my wonderful counselor to bring me out. Otherwise, the weapons prosper. There's no question. But sometimes in that deep, dark moment, I can't see that for myself. In the deepest pit of sin... Where depression has now rooted, I can't see that no weapon formed against me can prosper. I may say it, I may know it, I may even believe it, but I can't make it a reality. And so we reach out. And that's when things begin to crumble. Did you know James... I'm going to say it. If I say the verse wrong, you forgive me. 516, I believe. It says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you might be healed. For the fervent prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. We love to quote, the fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Right? All my life, I've heard that. But we don't like the first part where somebody tells us something really nasty and dirty that we don't know how to deal with. We don't like it when somebody confesses to us and we can go even beyond that, much further beyond that. We believe, sure enough, the moment we confess, our life is over. That's completely contrary to Scripture. Confess to one another, pray for one another that you might be healed. 
Not that you might die. Not that you might be excommunicated. Not that you might be pushed away and a wall build up between you and everybody else. No, you confess to one another, pray for one another that you might be healed. I'm determined. Wherever and however it has to take place. I'm changing the stigma of the church to say we can't listen to a confession, otherwise you're done. It's wrong. When a man of God can't go to a a leader and a pastor and confess his fault and his sin, I'm not talking about condoning what takes place. That's wrong, it's wrong. If it's sin, it's sin. But God came to heal and to mend sin, right? I'm not okay with anybody, minister, church person, who it's a we're a child of Jesus. We're a part of the family of God. Anybody in the family of God. I'm not okay. When confession takes place for a wall to be built and to be pushed away. At that point, you're sinning. It's against scripture. Confess to one another, pray for one another so that healing might take place. The wonderful counselor. I see a wonderful counselor, not the wonderful counselor, but a wonderful counselor. And you're probably thinking today, you need to see him. I'll see him this week. Because I've learned. The hard way. I need somebody to help me process the vast, huge array of emotions that I've dealt with this week. I need somebody to help me process my personal failure and my personal guilt. I can't change anything. We can't say what would have been and if this and if. I can change nothing. All I can do is change what's in front of me. Pastor J.D. Greer said, uh, in order to be a candidate for a miracle, you've got to have a problem. And if you don't have a problem, then maybe we need to get together and pray for you later so that you can receive a miracle. To be a candidate for a miracle, you need a problem. We all put on our faces. And that like we don't have a problem. A funeral on Thursday. I had to go to Kenley Wednesday night or Thursday night, Thursday afternoon. And I'm walking to the door and I said, well, let me put my church face on. I didn't want to be there. I needed to be there. And the Lord knew what he was doing. But we put that face on. But what are we robbing ourselves of? I've heard people say, I promise somehow we're going to end this. I don't know how. I've heard pastors say, specifically about depression and addiction, just give it to the Lord, son, and he'll fix it and take care of it. There is absolute 100% truth in that statement. Please don't mishear my heart. There is. And in some moments... Sanctification takes place in an instant. Healing takes place in an instant. But if we didn't need each other, James would not have said confess one to another and pray one for another so that you may be healed. The healing comes from God. There's no question that he is the one that brings healing. He is the one that that brings restoration. He is the one that makes me whole again. There is zero question about that. That is not the point of this conversation. But sometimes I need a brother to do that. First conversation I ever had with my counselor. 
He said, uh, just so you're clear, I can't heal you. He said, I can't. I don't really even see people that are not Christians. He said, "If I will, but if you can't accept the fact that I don't heal you, but healing only comes from God, then I can't help you. And God's used that man in my life to allow me to be healed. He didn't heal me. Healing came through him straight from the Lord. He's our wonderful counselor. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speak, he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He's a wonderful counselor. Spirit literally coming to earth and to speak the things that are not of him. He's speaking with authority straight from God. We need the counselor. I think back through scripture. We've been walking through the gospel of John. And so you think back a couple weeks back, I laid on a mat, a bed, whatever. Told you to pick it up. There was a statement, though, that I said over and over and over. In the beginning of John, it says that Jesus knew what was in man. Right? And Jesus walks up and he says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? Jesus knew the answer to the question before he asked him. But the man had to want to be whole. I have nobody to put me in the pool. That ain't really what I asked you. Do you want to be made whole? Take up your bed and walk. The man had initiative to be healed. Per the counselor's instruction, he picked up his bed and walked. The woman at the well, imagine, there's things in my life that only people that have to know those things will probably ever know those things, right? So could you imagine sitting down? Jesus is hanging out at the well. This lady shows up to draw some water. He says, will you give me some water? Why are you talking to me? He said, well, actually, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water, but you don't have a bucket. Yeah, but what I can give you is living water, and you'll never thirst again. And then the conversation twists because Jesus knows what's in man, right? And in an instant, her entire life is unfolded, and it's like, Bleh. Because in order to receive healing, not only do we have to be willing, but it has to be exposed. Because the, the longer we stay in the hole, and the longer we stay in the pit, Choosing to cover ourselves with darkness. Choosing to allow darkness to, to hover over us. The deeper and darker it gets. It's got to be exposed. And so for me, somehow, some way, God's not given me all the information yet. I'm determined that if I can have anything to do with it, we will create a safe place where it can be exposed. No judgment. We're not condoning sin. Don't mishear me. Confessing one to another is not so that your brother can say, oh, it's all right, it'll go away in a little while. That sin ain't no big deal. We're not condoning anything. Truth is truth. But I can communicate truth in a way and still show you love and still hold you up and lift you out of that pit where you can't get yourself from. We've got to create a place. We've got to be a person. Maybe it's not a physical place. But do people know they can trust us? Do people know we love them enough to see past whatever in the world they could ever tell me and I still love them like Jesus would love them? I won't be honest with you. There's some people that 
if I told you my life, it'd blow your mind and you would never think the same anymore and you would be ready to push me right out the door. I'm just being real. That's not my problem. (laughs) That's yours. Because whatever my problem is is no bigger or no less than whatever your problem is. It may not affect people in the same way. It may not affect you as an individual in the same way. Nobody might not be able to see it like they could see in somebody else's. But I'm telling you, it's all the same. And Jesus died for them all. So who in the world would I be knowing that he can, he can be with me if I go up to heaven and he can be with me if I go down to the pits of Sheol, knowing that he's with me if I ride the waves of the ocean, if I choose to cover myself, knowing that he died for every sin in my life. Who in the world am I to shut down when somebody tells me something that my brain can't comprehend? Are we a person that is communicated through our actions, through our mouth. I'll be honest with you, if you talk about people, I probably ain't going to confess nothing to you. Because if you talk about somebody else, you're going to talk about me. Have we created the place within ourselves? Because he is a wonderful counselor. But I believe in so many instances, he's wanting to be wonderfully counseling through the church through brothers and sisters he will direct our path proverbs 3 5 and 6 says trust in the lord all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him for he will make your path straight me trusting in him means he makes the path straight i'm just telling you that line is not the line to communicate to somebody that's down in the deepest darkest pit of their life can just be real They ain't got a clue how in the world to even find their way back to him in that moment, more or less trust him so that their path can be made straight. It's now our job. It's your job. It's my job to trust them for them, trust him for them, and allow God to use us to make their path straight as they confess, we confess, we pray one another, and now healing comes. In that deepest, darkest hour, no sermon works. There are no words to bring somebody out of a pit. It's only the Spirit of God that still exists there. He's there. And in that moment, sometimes we can't see that He's there. And we need somebody to come beside us and say, Man, you know that there's nothing that you can tell me that's going to ever change the way that I love you. I may not agree with it. I may not be okay with it, but I'm going to love you regardless, and I'm going to walk beside you, and the Spirit of God's with you. I'm going to help you, God, through this. We created that person within us. Would you play me something soft, please, sir? Don't make me cry. Play something happy. I'm just kidding. Would you stand with me? I'm going to be real honest with you. Like I have this whole time. Here's where this comes from for me. I don't know that you've ever had a pastor that's been as real and open and honest and told you crazy mess like I have. But on October the 20th, stood on the porch of this church. I was selfish, I'll be honest with you, because my cousin and I bought each other Bibles. He had a thing with Bibles like I do. He was buried with a minister's Bible that I bought from Ollie's that I was so excited to run and give him. And I thought, man, he's got me something. He's bringing me something. He needed to see me. I walked out the door, and there's this look on his face. tears in his eyes and he hands me an ID badge and a certificate where he was a certified community service chaplain with the Church of God's Chaplains Commission. He said, I need to give you this. He was reporting to me, Sapona, you would be proud, Sapona Road Church of God was on his ID badge. He said, I need to give you this. Why? 
He said, I've resigned from my position at the church. I'm no longer an ordained minister. I've confessed to my pastor. Tears rolling down his face. I said, can we talk? He said, not yet. I reached out to try to have a conversation. He wasn't ready. Two weekends ago, I felt an impression of what I believe was the Holy Spirit telling me to go find him. He's a police officer in Coates. <laughs> You've been to Coates, you can find anybody. And I could almost envision me grabbing him by his vest and just holding him and telling him that I loved him and that I've screwed up. In my personal life, I've made some horrible decisions. But God's grace is huge. And he's loved. I didn't. I never went and found him. Friday night, after I made these awesome Christmas trees, me and Brother Tommy, you like my trees. Brother Tommy did a good job. We were sitting around dinner. Donna was in the office with me the day he came by. And she saw my face when I came back in, and she... She asked me Friday night, she said, how's your cousin? You ever figure out what's going on? Is he okay? I said, I need to call him. That was Friday. Saturday at 3 o'clock, he was gone. I'm not telling you this. Don't feel sorry for me. It's a sad, horrible story. We can mourn that together if you want to. That's not the purpose of this moment purpose of this moment is don't be me. I knew the moment I looked in his eyes I could have named his issues. I, I went home and told Micah the exact thing he was involved in. Exactly what was taking place in his life. In my dark moment praying for a circle to get around me that I could confess and confide in and could, that could hold me to a standard. He was one of the guys that I was ready to have a conversation with. And I believe wholeheartedly he, he confessed to a pastor. A wall was put up. He wasn't allowed back on the property. It's a church that buses in prostitute drug addicts weekly. But a man of God's fallen short and you can't let him on your property. <laughs> We've got to be the person. We've got to be the safe place. I knew I could confide in him. I hadn't yet. I wasn't ready. I knew that I could. I want to believe that he knew he couldn't confide in me. I'm determined to walk out of, uh, God's put a new mandate on my life. There's a new calling on my life. That I'm determined somehow, some way, it's going to stop. Because there's going to be a place where somebody can say, I'm, I messed up. Because if there's not that place, we're not receiving healing biblically. If we can't confess one to another so that we can not shun one another, not push one another away, and not shove somebody away, but that we can pray for one another. We're not receiving healing the way God intended for us to receive healing. We've got to do better. Two thoughts. First of all, if you're struggling, if you're lost in sin, if your holes got really, really dark, it's only as dark as you let it be. David said, as I covered myself with the darkness. God didn't cover. There was no shame from that. You will never convince me that God cast one moment of guilt, one moment of shame. 
The Holy Spirit convicts. That's not guilt. There's conviction. There is conviction so that we feel a shift that needs to take place so that we get back in realignment with who God's called us to be. I don't believe that the shame that we feel is put on us by God. He's too good. It's only the devil that would want to steal, kill, and destroy everything that we have in all of our life that would want to put us in a place where shame is what's keeping us from coming out. Shame can't come from God if that's the ceiling that's on top keeping us in our pit. There's sin in your life. You need to find a brother or sister. You need to repent. Confess it before the Lord. Me telling you that might might not mean anything, though, in this moment. You've got to find somebody that can walk beside you and love you and hold you, not condoning the sin. Do not mishear me. It's not okay. But healing comes when we're locked arms with somebody that can walk beside us through it. Number one, if you're in a struggle and you're in the pit, whether it was your sin or the sin of Adam that caused you to stop praying, today's a day you can come out of it. Every person in this room should be ready to be the one another. Every person in the room, if you're a child of God, I believe all of us standing here have got a relationship with the Lord to some extent. If that's you, there's no reason that we can't have a conversation with somebody without casting judgment on them. All of us have to be that person. This isn't a Christmas message, I'm sorry. But the wonderful counselor wants to make a difference in some people's life. And Emmanuel is right there in that deepest, darkest moment. And the reason that God gave us Emmanuel is so that the wonderful counselor could bring us healing, could bring us direction, could bring us correction. And then what's going to be so cool is the mighty God and the Prince of Peace is going to rain down on us. Father, Lord, my best today to share my heart what you're attempting to do in my personal life God I pray today I believe wholeheartedly somebody's here today even in a room that with no more people that's here than in this room right now because there's somebody that you want to bring out of a place of darkness there's somebody, God, that you've been running toward. Lord, like the prodigal son, the father, when, when the, the son could actually see and the dust was cleared, he saw his father chasing after him, running towards him. Father, and you're running towards some people today. You've been chasing us down, trying to get us to realize you've never left us, you've never forsaken us in the darkest moment. You're there. When we feel so alone, when we feel like the, the lid is shut on, on our life and our emotions are taking the best of us, when our, the, the mental illness, the litter, the depression, God, has set in, the struggles have set in, Lord, that place, you've been trying with a loud voice to make it known that you're there. And you love us. You care about us. Your kindness, God, is bigger than anything that we could ever come against. God, but the enemy's been barking in some people's ear. And the devil that wants nothing more than to still kill and destroy everything from us, as your word tells us, has been loud. Lord, and we've been listening to that voice instead of your voice. Today, God, 
we're recognizing it's time for a change. Father, the rest of us in the house today, I pray, God, that there's a new burden placed on our life to be a person that somebody can do what James told us. God, we can be a man and woman that would have character, that we would have somebody that's close enough to us that we could, they would feel like they could confide in us, they would feel like they could trust us. God, we could confess one to another because none of us are perfect. We all got problems. Therefore, we're all candidates for a miracle today. God, let us pray for one another so that healing may come. You're in a dark place today, and you're ready for God to bring you out. You're in the house today. I want to ask you, would you just slip up your hand? Yes, yes. You can put them back down. I want to ask you to do something. This is not to embarrass you. This is simply to confess that you need somebody to stand behind you and beside you. And you're not alone. It's to make you realize that you're not by yourself. If that's you and you raised your hand, would you come and just join me in this altar for a couple moments? Church, please don't move yet because this is serious. Here's what these folks need. They need somebody to come stand behind them that's going to support them and love them. Not going to judge them, but she's going to lay your hand on them and let them know that they're not alone. Would you come and do that? Let's pray together for a few minutes. you just slip up your hands for a moment and tell him he's good thank him for what he's done in the house today holy spirit you've ministered to us today thank you god wonderful counselor thank you lord that you're moving in us you're making a way today father when it seems dark and empty when there is no way wonderful counselor you're showing us the way you're sending people to guide and direct to walk beside us lord Thank you for healing, Emmanuel. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, I love you. God, I praise your name. Father, I thank you for allowing us to to tap into your presence today. Allowing us to soak in your presence. Father, I thank you for the lives that I believe have been touched here today. God, and I pray that you would continue to use us. Allow us to be a safe haven for somebody. God, let us confess one to another and pray for one another so that there may be healing. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Amen.